Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's our last show before the All-Star break, and the Celtics pull out a stinker. Uh, that was that was pretty Something gross like smelling. They win 71-69. <laughs> we got a four-man crew going tonight. This is a big ending to, the, I guess, the first half of the season. This is the Garter Report on Celtics Blog and CLNS Radio. Celtics win 71-69. This is the Garden Report. Joining us tonight for the first time this year, Ryan Hadfield from Boston Sports Media right. Watch and Boston Metro. Welcome. Jimmy Toscano from Celtics Blog and Evan Splinter from Celtics Blog. My name is Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio. We're going so to show you so many videos because we're just so excited about it. Uh, remember, this show is on iTunes, on the CLNS Radio iTunes feed, and you can hear it played on CLNS Radio in its audio form. Uh, the day after the game in the morning, sometime around 10 a, you know, 8 to 8.30 to 10 a.m. or so. Yeah. We'll let you know, so check CLNS Radio for that. Uh, also, you can find it on the Celtics Blog YouTube page, uh, SB Nation Affiliates. What up to SB Nation? So we're going to break the game down for you, uh, but we're not really going to talk too much about the game because this is a pretty hideous game. We're going we're gonna to let you know exactly what happened. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Jared Solinger, who actually gave a press conference today before the game. It's kind of a rare thing to see an injured player who's out for the season give a press conference before a game. Uh, and then we'll talk about some quotes that Kevin said tonight, Kevin Garnett said tonight, that definitely are going to be a talking point for the rest of the Celtics media. Uh, and then we'll take a look at the uh, what's going to happen over the All-Star break and the week after that at the trade deadline. And uh, then we'll wrap the show up with a, uh, a great clip from a video that our own Jimmy Toscano did uh, for, during his, jay, uh, his day job at uh, Comcast Sports in New England. Working hard over there. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely stick around for the end of this. Uh, it's a clip from a video that he did. It. I, I think I peed my pants like the first three times that well, I watched it. Well, don't tell so many people that. That's what smells. We were wondering. <laughs> it was a stinky game, like I said. So they win 71-69. to they, they hold the Bulls below 70 points in this game. They do that. Uh, Doc said after the game that in these games, these last games before the All-Star break, you have guys that are tired and guys that are already in the uh, Dominican Republic. So yeah. this was kind of one of those uh, checked out games. Hattie, we'll start with you. It was it was uh, 19 combined points for the Celtics in the second and third quarter. And then the fourth quarter, they kind of explode there. Some huge plays from Jeff Green and Jason Perry. Right. I mean, there's not much to take away from this specific game besides the fact that the Celtics are now a Kemba Walker jumper away from being 9-0 without Rajon Rondo in the lineup. But, I mean... They shot 8 of 39, 20% in the second and third quarter, like you said. Uh, but they still won the game, and I think in large part that was due to the Bulls. 20 turnovers, only 27 baskets, and the six turnovers in the fourth quarter kind of fell apart there in the end. 
Um, I think there's a lot there's a lot to like in the fact that what Doc said, you know, a lot of guys kind of check out at this point, but they mentally tough team as the Celtics always kind of say, and they pulled out in the end. So. Uh, oh, okay. now you care about what we think. I do. Care. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought we'd go round table. You want to go round table for a second? Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think, look, it was almost like two separate games. The first quarter and the fourth quarter, and the second quarter and the third quarter. I mean, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. I think the Celtics showed up when they needed to. I was impressed with the way they kept the energy in the fourth quarter because we saw them just fall apart against the Bobcats. You know, the last time out, they had the lead late in the game, they gave it up. Well, same thing tonight. They had a five-point lead with, I think, a minute minute and a half left, and they, they pulled it out. They won it. And I thought it was almost poetic justice that... Jason Terry had the block on Marco Bellinelli because we all know how the last game against the Bulls ended. Bellinelli hits the fadeaway, impossible shot over Terry. And Terry said after the game that you know he had this game circled in his calendar because he was so upset at the way it ended. And mm-hmm. watching it on SportsCenter and seeing that shot going over him, well, he came up huge tonight with that block. And I, I thought it was great to see that happen. For Evans, Jeff Green played the game. You have the reverse dunk. You have that amazing two-handed over-the-head outlet pass, and then you have that block. I mean, there are a lot of – how many blocks? Were there a couple blocks from him? Two blocks from him. Two blocks from him. I mean, what, what was, was the crazy. biggest play from Jeff Green in that fourth quarter? You're giving me the Jeff Green question? Oh, I was not prepared for that at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, Green had a nice dunk, right? I, I don't remember. Um, I'll, I'll pass on the Jeff Green question. But I – is this really crazy to say that? I don't even think the Celtics played that badly in the second and third quarters. Because, I mean... A little bit crazy, uh, yeah. Offensively, crazy. they yeah. played the, the numbers were not good. You know, 11 and 8 points, respectively, in, in quarters 2 and 3. That's but historically low output. Their execution was not that bad. Their ball movement was not that bad. They weren't turning the ball over. I think just shots didn't fall in. Like, how many times did Kevin Garnett square up that jumper from 18 feet out that was just his shot and it just rimmed out? Like, how many times did, did you know, Paul Pierce or Jeff Green or whoever else just not hit a shot they normally make? I think it was just a case of, you know, the Celtics, they weren't scoring and they, they weren't getting discouraged, though. Like, you saw guys, right, that's like, the big thing. guys like Brandon Bass and, and Jeff Green, guys who are role players who get discouraged when they're not playing well, they stuck with it and they kept shooting even when, you know, things weren't going too well for them. And so, I mean, the biggest play for, for me, I don't remember what it was, but really just the fact that Jeff Green and, and Bass and guys like that didn't get discouraged and just kept taking their shots. That was impressive to me. I mean, it's just kind of their general mindset. There were a couple of weird moments. I mean, Jeff Green had the reverse jam. And, I mean, I think that was kind of an impetus to set up the fourth quarter run. As mm-hmm. badly as this game was played, the Celtics played pretty well in the fourth quarter. And KG, I think, I think to put them up on that baseline jumper that Brandon Bass set them up with, yeah. that play took 23 seconds off the play clock. They're up, at one, they're up by one at the time. And it's brilliantly executed. And that's kind of ironic given how they were executing the rest of the night. So it was kind of a... Is you know there were a lot of highs but a lot of lows and I think that we're dwelling a lot in the second quarter but as Jimmy said the first and fourth quarter the Celtics executed pretty well and I thought that last play really summed up this team as of late I mean every on that possession that KG hit the baseline jumper I mean every player touched the ball um, there was about three or four different times where you thought they were going to shoot it and you were almost like shoot the ball and then they made a pass and they made another pass and they actually you know give them credit they found a great shot by KG um, like I said everybody touched the ball and I'm not sure a month ago that would have happened so. I mean, you gotta you gotta really look at me like that and say, you know, where the team is at right now. And let's talk about where Brandon Bass is at. We're gonna do Baller of the Night differently tonight. I think we all agree that Brandon Bass should be the Baller of the Night. So we're just gonna really just break it down all around uh, with him. Uh, but first, let's uh, hear what Brandon had to say after the game. But on that play, we got the steal, the little spin move, and then Yeah, how confident are you bringing the ball up like that and making the first move? You know what? Before I do, um, you know, before I start doing my routine, I always throw the ball just in case. You know, I man, I might, you know, tomorrow I might need to do something. So. 
I got it. Some guys bring it up, but it doesn't, it doesn't go so well. Some guys, some big guys are bring it up. I'm just glad mine went well tonight. <laughs> so I, I asked Brandon on his drive where he did the spin move. Was that spin move premeditated? And he said, oh, no, I was like, oh, crap, i got to do something here. Because he was dribbling down the court in the middle of the court. And, uh, yeah. and he had he has the one-on-one opportunity. I think most of us were watching that play going, oh, he's going to try to do a crossover, happen? and it's going to be slow for him. And then he pulls off a nice, pretty good footwork uh, yeah. Tr- yeah. Uh, spin move. Might have traveled. Because he did spin at, like, the three-point Every other yeah. play is yeah. a travel that doesn't go call. True. Uh, but... He just had a nice sequence of plays where the momentum was really building with the crowd, who was out of the crowd was out of it pretty much. Right for that so. game. I mean, it was a pretty empty stadium. It was a sellout. It woke me up. That oh, it was it was a sellout. Uh, even though we saw about half the yeah, half the seats empty there, yeah. But it's always a sellout, right? Um, but you know, the crowd wasn't really into this game. And obviously, the team wasn't really into this game until Brandon went on that string of big plays. In the, the crowd was cheering for Bulls turnovers, just not for any baskets. Exactly. It was just like every time Joaquim Noah would drop the ball out of bounds. Like, crowd would go nuts, but actual scoring there was none of that to applaud. So. What, I, what I was really impressed with about Bass was his um, energy on the rebounding, yeah. especially offensively. Yeah. I mean, he didn't necessarily grab them all, but he was in there on a ton of them, poking the ball around, yeah. um, the second chance, you know, giving it an extra effort that, you know, we didn't see from him or from everybody else all season. So that was really good to see. Um, I just think that that's the type of th- plays that they're going to need now. You know, when they're, when they're down these guys, they're going to need guys to really dig deep and reach in and, and, you know, make the extra play. And I thought that you did that a lot tonight. Well, Hattie, we talked during the game about Brandon Bass. How, right. Like, the first half of the season, he seemed lost. Yeah, I mean, his numbers are down both rebounds and points. And you talked to him a little bit about, about this after the game. Avery Bradley called him one of the best mid-range shooters in the league. Yeah. And um, that shot's not falling for him as frequently as it was last year, but you could see it in his face tonight. He's very gregarious. It's usually pretty reclusive, but tonight, it, you know, in the locker room after the game, he's very happy, and rightfully so. And um, he talked about needing to get down dirty, like Jim was saying, Jimmy was saying, and, you know, getting rebounds and getting in there. Celtics need that. They're a porous rebounding team. They need a guy like Bass to step up. So, I mean, tonight... Again, his two bas- baskets back to back. He also set up KG in the fourth quarter for the big baskets. He put him up by three. Big pass. Uh, definitely the ball tonight. Well, a big sign from Brandon was when he walked out of the shower and walked past all of us. He was smiling. Right. And we yeah. really haven't seen that for a while. Yeah. We haven't really seen a lot of bass smiling. But you were right. After the game, he really wanted to talk, and it's very unlike him because he is a he is a fairly introverted personality. And shy guy. He's usually camera shy, and. I, this was surprising. I shoved my camera pretty much like in his face when he was doing his post game, and he he like looked into it. He was like happy to see it. Usually when I do that, he's like, oh, you know, my hair doesn't look good, even though he's a shaved head. Uh, and he's actually said this to me before. Uh, you know, and I think when he hits his stride, he gets. He's one of those guys that's very wavering in his confidence sure. and his self esteem with his game. And when he gets his stride, it kind of, you can kind of feel it in different ways. Yeah. So now the question becomes: Can you sustain this performance into the second half? I mean, he had, what, 14 points and 9 rebounds tonight. What if he comes out on the West Coast road trip and has another, you know, four points and three boards stink bomb? Like oh, he will at some point. It's going to happen. Right. So, so how does he take it upon himself to kind of continue this run into next week? It's going to be tough for him, right? Like, I, 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 mean, don't, I don't know. I mean, the key, the key is... that for a lot of guys. I mean, you don't know how they're going to respond in the second half. But, I mean, the good thing for him is he's a guy who's in shape. He's young enough where, you know, I don't think there's wear and tear on, on him. No Relatively healthy this year. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that... There's any reason to think that he's going to break down or anything like that. I mean, if anything, I'd be worried about the other guys in the team, like Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, but we found out has a pinched nerve. 
in his neck. But, I mean, those guys have been healthy, too. So, yeah. um, there's really no excuses for this team right now. I mean, I wasn't talking about physically, though. I mean, Brandon right. Bass has oh, always been mental. And, and, oh. Yeah, not to cut you off, but, I mean, he's been a different player since Rondo's been down. I think he was one of the more outspoken guys about ball movement and, and mm-hmm. getting the ball enough touches and feeling the ball. And it's kind of ironic because Rondo would give him the, you know, the most open jump shots in the world sometimes, and uh, I, I just think that something happened with him, um, you know, he's getting the ball more, and he's getting more confident. Yeah, I mean, Bass is a really interesting case study in this idea that physically the injuries are killing this team, but mentally it's just instilling more and more urgency. Each time right. a guy goes down, everyone who's still healthy wants to step up and do more, and yeah. Bass is the guy that's doing more. And things right. like getting rebounds and getting in there and get, be, becoming involved, eventually that will set up his offense and set up the other parts of his game. So. And what's important to note is that he played the entire first quarter, He's had a lot of games this year where he plays poorly right out the gate and he gets pulled pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But because Kevin needed to rest a lot and Kevin barely played in this game and Doc made an effort to try to rest him, yeah. which seems to be counterintuitive to everything that those guys have been saying the entire year, of course. But he stuck with Brandon the entire... Because I think Brandon made a couple mistakes that were kind of looked were like, oh, another Brandon Bass night, pretty early in the game. But then he really started to turn it on towards the end of the first quarter. So I think it was one of the few times this year where Brandon has really been stuck with through the first quarter and gotten a chance to get rhythm early in the game. Because Brandon's the kind of guy that usually doesn't find his rhythm late in the game. It's either it's there or it's not. Right. And I think it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of, like, there's no other option. I mean, yeah. right. Dellinger out now you got to stick with Bass, who's good in the bat. I mean, with Melo showing that he's not really ready well, to do it, which Stock admitted to. Yeah. Right. I mean, Melo's not really... He's their fourth string center. He's not an option. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, not an, an issue. Option. He's not an option. So, I mean, I think one of the things where you just got to hope that Bass is on a game more often than not. Okay, let's go from another center, Fat Melo, to the starting center for this team, Kevin Barnett. Uh, he had some comments that kind of came out of nowhere tonight. Uh, he said that this will be his last All-Star game. And it seemed, let's take a look at it. My name is Hunter Stewart. I did just say something. How do you talk about going to the game with your family? It might be your last officer. If I miss anything, this is that. Why do you do that? I don't know what I'm doing. So KG hinting, it's kind of unclear there. Is is it his? Mm. Let's, let's put on our detective uh, beards <laughs> here, uh, or stubble for these two guys yeah. on the other end. Yeah. Uh, KG, at first it kind of sounds like he's saying, "Oh, I'm probably just not going to be good enough to right. make it again." But then he drops, he drops that, that very, very tiny bomb. Of uh, I know something that you guys don't know. Right, thing. right. We don't know what he means by that, but it, this is something we kind of brought up a little bit on the show. Just quickly, had it get your quick take on this. Is I, it possible that Kevin walks away after this season? I, anything's possible, sure. But I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, that, was, that was actually unintended, but I'll take it. Um, I think that it's ominous. Obviously, it's kind of some shady remarks. I think that talk radio is going to have a great time with it. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that this team is really driven on the here and now, as they've been all year long. So I don't think it's really a distraction. I don't think KG relies on any, like, Brett Favre, you know, Farvian. I don't think he's really Brett Favre-like in the sense that he's going to come back and waver back and forth. I think he made a commitment to the team. And I don't know, he kind of recanted there a little bit, so I don't want to look too much into the remarks. He could have spent in the moment reflecting about all of his, all, all of his all-star appearances, and I don't think we should really give it too much weight. 
I don't know if he's going to the school of Ray Lewis, uh, where he announces his, uh, you know, this is going to be my last year right before the playoffs, and all of a sudden the Ravens are playing, you know, the best football in the NFL, and Lewis retires on top. I don't know if that's the direction he's thinking about going, but I thought that was definitely an interesting topic, uh, def- an interesting thing that he said. Because, um, listen, I mean, he was voted in by the fans. I don't think that he would have earned a trip to the All-Star game this year, and I'm pretty sure he said that, too. I'm pretty clear about that. Right. Subtly, yeah. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where he doesn't think that he'll be voted in next year. I don't want to look too much into it. Um, but there's obviously you have to kind of look into it a little bit. Sure. Um, because it's one of those things where Doc and Danny are going to want to know how to, you know, how do we build this team going forward. And obviously Garnett and guys like Pierce are important to the team next year as well. But it's it's really important to note uh, um, before Evans gets that thought out there that it was it was not he was not asked specifically if this was his last All Star game. He, a follow up was asked, but he said this unprovoked. Right, and right. It, I, it, he has pretty clear intentions when he brings up the just the phrase "this will be my last All Star game" completely unprovoked. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure he had some intentions, but I think he was just trying to imply that he's getting old and like you know. He's 36, he'll be 37 at the All-Star break next year, and he doesn't think anybody's going to vote for a 37-year-old to start the All-Star game or be a reserve even. I mean, that all makes sense. And, and like, Maybe I, he's just not going to go anymore. Maybe he's just going to refuse to go and take the fine. Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, he's like, guess what, I'm 37, this isn't for yeah. me anymore, right? right. That's what I initially thought he was getting at. Yeah, I, me, me too. too. Yeah. And I don't think KG's the kind of guy to, to drag out his retirement decisions publicly and make a big spectacle of it. Like you said, right. he's not Brett Favre. Right. I, th- w- I don't when, think he'll do that. When Kevin Garnett had the decision to retire or not to retire this summer, what did he do? He went home. He was, you know, had the privacy of himself and his home and his family, and he made this decision by himself. And then he announced he was resigning for three years. Right it, it was all private, and then publicly he made his announcement. There was no long public spectacle of it. Right. It'll be more declarative than tonight. Tonight was his. I think it was too big yeah. either way. In the grand scheme of things, tonight was a throwaway line. Right. I, I really don't read too much into it. And he knows something that we don't know. He knows a lot that we don't know. He's an NBA player and we're not, but whatever. Okay, well, convenient segues into this one. Jared Solinger talked before the game, and we didn't know a lot about what's going on, but now we know more, and we'll (laughs) let you know more, too. For a guy that's had basketball part of his life, how different has the last few weeks been for you not being able to get together and do what you've been able to do? Uh, It's been really different. Um... Actually, I haven't been doing anything besides Twitter and and uh, playing video games and catching up on movies. That's about it. Especially on thumb injuries? Uh, no, no arthritis in the future, but no thumb injuries. Did the doctors tell you this should solve all your back back problems, or is there potential that? Yeah, no long term uh, limitations. I should be good for for the rest of my life. So, I mean, I I wasn't having back problems. I didn't have. It wasn't sore. Nothing was bothering me. Against Sacramento, came out. All of a sudden, I jumped. Went to go for a rebound. Came down. Kind of funny. Uh, my back went out. So that's when uh, we made the decision. The next following day, I was in excruciating pain to uh, have surgery. And what was your reaction when you just, you know, just had become a starter, and then like a couple of days later, you're having back surgery? It was a sign of relief. Um, to get it over with, uh, get everybody out of my face, off my back. So uh, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, actually, in the long term, um, I think I'll come back better uh, just because with the back problems, I had limitations. Of uh, doctor told me um, 
with the two discs being herniated, uh, was only making my legs weaker. So hopefully that's a sign that I might be able to get off the ground more than two inches. So, <laughs> so Soli talked for almost ten minutes before the game. That was pretty rare to see a pregame injured guy press conference there. Yep. Uh, but some pretty fun tidbits. I asked him afterwards uh, what video games was he playing. He said Call of Duty, Madden. You know, he's kind of trailed off as he, as he said. His walk he walked away. away yeah. as he, I asked <laughs> he him while he was walking into the locker room, and he just kind of listing and listing as he closed the door. It's pretty funny. So yeah, he plays a lot of video games. Uh, what's, gonna do? what's his gamer tag? We're gonna play a video game called Trade Deadline Special, where we're gonna do a, a two-minute Trade Deadline Special right in the middle of the show, uh, because we're not gonna see you again until March first after the trade deadline. Uh, so just. Somebody yell out a trade you think's gonna happen, or does everyone think that this roster is gonna stay exactly as it is? Maybe we might trade Ryan for Evans. Oh, you mean the Celtics? Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm not sure the Celtics happen to work, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm I'm paid way too much. (laughs) Um, You want to go? I mean, I I, I was gonna make the point that I think kind of addition just by experience. I mean, like Jeff Green, I think is adjusting his first 42 games. He averaged 10, 41% shooting last nine without Rondo going into tonight. Uh, 15 on 53% shooting. Avery Bradley, 21 games now. He's starting to really pick it up. Terry's averaging 13 and 56% shooting his last couple games. That's nine games, I should say. So I think that the chemistry of what this unit is is almost like an addition in a way. I mean, I know they've lost a lot of bodies, but I feel like those guys kind of acclimating and Green really kind of fully being a presence will kind of uh, substitute for any possible trade, because I don't know if they have any assets they're willing to give away. Well, can we agree on two things? One, Jason Terry, the way he's playing, is pretty much like they just signed a new guard right. onto the team. Who they thought they were ago. getting. Yeah. Exactly, because he was not playing well before, and now he's really shooting pretty much lights out, and his overall offensive play has been good. And Doc has said for like four games straight that he's our defensive stopper. Like he keeps saying that Jason Terry's our best defender. Yeah. He's, thinking he's, he's kidding, play. but whatever. He, no, but he, but, I mean, he's He's semi-kidding, obviously, because Jason Terry is playing good defense. But right. the other thing I think we can probably agree on is that Avery's Bradley, Avery Bradley's defense is so unbelievable, and he keeps getting better and better every single game. He's now turning into a very dominant aerial defender, like Dwayne Wade-esque in the way that he's able to affect shots as a, as a shooting guard. That It's, it's going to be almost impossible for them to get good value if they decide to trade him. Yeah, I don't think they're going to trade Avery Bradley. Yeah. I really, really don't see it. I, I don't think there's going to be any major trade. I mean, if, if the goal here is to build a rotation for the playoffs, they've already done that. They know who their best eight guys are, I'm including Chris Wilcox as their eighth man, and all they need now is a little bit more depth. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, we've heard the Shelvin Mack room where you can sign him as a backup guard. You know, sign one or two more guys off the scrap heap and fill out your roster, but they know who their top guys are. They're going to take them into the playoffs, so they're, they're pretty much all set. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think that they're, they're almost like so thin now where they the assets that they had maybe to trade, they don't really have anymore. I thought... Uh, there was a greater chance that maybe a guy like Bass or Lee could have been traded. Not that I'm saying that I wanted that to happen, but um, there was a chance that maybe they bring in a bigger guy in return for one of those or a, or a point guard for one of those guys. Uh, but I think, listen, they're 8-1 and one in their last nine games. Yeah. They're 28-24. and 24. They're playing the best basketball of the season. Going into last All-Star break, they're 15-17. and 17. They had lost five in a row. I think they lost seven of eight. Good stuff. And did you see any trades then? Uh, obviously, the salaries were different and everything, but... But Danny Ainge's, my point is, Danny Ainge believes in this guy. Because look at what happened to that team after the All-Star break. They turned it on. They made a postseason run. It ultimately fell short. Um, I think that the Celtics can't really get that much better through a trade. Um, I would be very surprised if they made a big trade. I think what, the only thing you're going to see is you're going to see Ainge waiting for the dust to settle and picking up a couple guys like he does every 
time around this year, um, a couple of guys that were bought out after maybe PJ yeah, Brown's the world. PJ Brown, Sam Cassell. I mean, right, right. The Troy Murphy's hopefully not that bad. But <laughs> I mean, all these rumors that, that we've... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's nothing going to be major. It might right. be one of those like end-of-rotation type guys that can burn some minutes. Right. All the, all the rumors that we've heard about major guys, you know, your Josh Schmitz and Marcin right. Gortat and DeMarcus Cousins, when was the last time any of those turned out to be true? When was the Never. last time we heard a rumor about Danny Ainge plotting a trade midseason that actually happened? Whenever well, the Perkins trade was, uh, everyone it came about out that. of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Whenever the trade deadline comes along, one of two things happens: either it's nothing, or it's a trade that nobody saw coming in a million years. Mm-hmm. And so, what are we doing here? What are we talking about? Well, we're I think we're looking at a million years. I guess a million plus one, right? I don't know. But okay, so we're all in agreement. We don't see uh, a major trade or much of a trade at all. No, it's I, so, I, really it just comes down to what is going to be available in the basically athletic big man market and the ball-handling capable guard market. And what's important to know is that Doc said before the game, they're no longer looking at positions. They don't care about finding a point guard or a center. They're just looking for guys that can play, is what he said. He said that last year, too. And sure. It worked. He did say that. But they, they just need... they Like, if they sign... You know, let's just say... Let's pretend Jason Collins is on the market as a free okay. agent, and they wanted to bring him in. They would want to, the fans or just the people would say, they want to bring him in because they just need a long guy that can play on-ball defense on right. centers. But the thing is, we've seen Jason Collins out there. While he's definitely very good in the locker room and, and everybody likes him, reporters, that's great teammates pick. like him. He sets, he's, he, well, that's, it, that is a value. But for the most part, he hasn't really made, he hasn't really been a difference maker for this team. Well, I think sure. Doc, Doc was pretty clear that he wants to find guys that, it doesn't matter if it's like Carl Landry, for God's sakes, like a guy that's like a six, like a five foot eleven power forward. But yeah, but the point is, Carl Landry, even though he's not going to fit as a defensive impact guy at the power forward position, he's going to be able to be productive for this team, and that's what they're really looking for. You're not getting anybody nearly as good as Carl Landry, whatever. Like a Kenny Martin, or you're looking more like a Jason Collins type talent. Right. Celtics have two things going for them. If that situation arises, they've got a team that can you know, potentially go deep into the postseason, which obviously a player's going to be interested in. And they have roles available because they're yeah. so thin right now, and those two right. things are going to hopefully put them at the top of a lot of free, free agents' wish lists. Yeah, I mean, the reason they signed Barbosa and Chris Wilcox and Jason Collins and all these guys is because they were injury insurance. Sure. Well, guess what the Celtics need now? It's more injury insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So guys will want to come here. Yeah. Okay, so we all agree that preseason depth is probably important, as we've seen. Uh, and we all agree that having a star actor on your show is equally important. Uh, uh, Evan's known as a famous actor, but Jimmy, why don't you tell us about the clip we're about to see? He's already going, already going. I haven't played the clip yet. I will preface this by saying you made, you made me put this on the show. I'm not trying to throw my I, I loved it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want everyone to see it. So, um, at my day job or night job, depending on the day, at Comcast more set in New England, sometimes we run into a little free time, so um, <laughs> a, <little bit. laughs> a video editor, Adam Hart, um, decided, you know, last year we made this movie trailer of this character, Jimmy Canada, who, long story short, held a reporter captive in Canada, so this time we decided to make a skit of it, and what it is, is I am Jimmy Canada, and I'm the reason for the lockout. So, um, Adam Hart did all the writing, and the directing, and the videography, and everything, and it was came out pretty, I think it, he made me into somebody who looked like I knew somewhat what I was doing. This is a hundred takes into the, <laughs> into, into the act bad. right now, but um, here's a small clip, and if you like what you see, you can catch the whole thing on csnne.com. 
um, click on the Great American Hockey Show link, and the entire skit will be there for your viewing link pleasure. Link below. We'll put the link below and post that link for the show. That link right there. <laughs> yeah. You can't click on it in this clip, but just copy and not copy paste it, but remember it and put it in your URL. Wow. Okay. All right, let's take a look. It's simpler than that. Enjoying my lockout? <laughs> I should have known Jimmy Canada. Call me the Puppet Master. No. No, don't call me the Puppet Master. Reginald! We gotta come up with a better nickname, bro. It's been like two years now. The Puppet yeah, Master? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The um, Puppet Master? Uh, yeah, how about Stretch? It would be ironic. You're fired. Uh, so, I don't think a lot of people know this. Toscano is actually French for Canada. Uh, so, fun Back. facts are learning on the Garden Report. Uh, so, we're going to let that fun clip be the last thing that you see from the Garden Report besides my face talking right now. For two weeks, as the Celtics go on the road, we'll be back March 1st on Friday against the Golden State Warriors. Might have some friends from uh, San Francisco, Oakland area coming, or Bay Area, as some people know it as, uh, coming on the show. Uh, I want to thank Brian Hadfield, or Hattie, as I like to call him. The only person that calls me that, for the record. Exactly. The only person. Am I really the only person that calls me Yeah, it's really weird, but I'll let you go with it, because I can tell it puts a smile on your face. (laughs) You you see this right there. Um, So Hattie, Ryan Hadfield, Boston Sports Media Watch, Metro, old colleague of mine at WEEI.com. Thank you for coming on to the show. It's great having you here. This is the first first game of the season. He hasn't been here since wow. last year. Air handshake oh, up here for you, man. Uh, Jimmy Toscano, popping cherries left and right. Wow. <laughs> Clinchy. Both of these guys come from South Things Squad. are getting weird. My name is Jared Weiss. We'll see you in two weeks. Have a great all-star break. Have a great trade deadline. We'll see if the team even still looks remotely like it. Uh, they will. Right they they will. probably will. Uh, Garden Report, Celtics Blog, CLNS Radio, we're out.